Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Merry Christmas, church. Oh, man. It's my favorite time of the year. On behalf of Pastor Leanne and I, we are just so thrilled. We are praying for Christmas blessings over you, over your families, and over this magnificent holiday season. God bless you. I want you to come with me in your Bibles this morning as we come and look at a very, very special Christmas in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. It says this, it says, And it came to pass in verse 1, in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This consensus first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he was there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Man, that is such an incredibly powerful passage of Scripture and just filled with so many things. The first thing that we see is the ruling power. Caesar Augustus wants the whole world registered. The whole world is forced to go and register so that he can not only control them, but he can extract taxes from them. And so here is Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary are traveling to Bethlehem. Bethlehem literally means house of bread. House of bread, where Jesus, the bread of heaven, was about to be born. As they're traveling there, Joseph is traveling with Mary, his betrothed wife, and she's pregnant, which means that they, they're not married yet. She's just betrothed. They're engaged. And here she is. She's pregnant. And already Joseph traveling there with Mary are under a, a, a level of shame from people around about them. Do you know, this is what I've discovered. I've discovered, and when you travel around the world, that there are people, just because you're a Christian, that look down on you that it's almost like an embarrassing thing to say, hey, I follow Jesus Christ. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. I believe in God. I, I believe in the Bible. There's a spirit in this world that wants you to feel ashamed for carrying Christ, for being someone who's willing to bring Christ into this world, Christ into people's lives. Well, it goes on. It says, now they were in the same country, shepherds, and they were living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord came and stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone on all around them and they were greatly afraid. These kind of robust shepherds were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior 
who is Christ the Lord. And he will, this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who've heard of it marveled to those about those things which were told. And Mary kept all these things in her heart. What a beautiful story about Jesus Christ being born in a manger, being born in an inn. There was no room anywhere else, so he was born out in a stable. Such a powerful story. And I just want to share a few things with you. A lot of people have this perception that Jesus first appeared to, or that the angels first appeared to the shepherds about Jesus because the angels went to the poor first. First, let me, let me just say to you, that is, a, that is a fallacy, that is a myth. The shepherds weren't poor. The shepherds were integral to the industry of Israel because up till now they had to sacrifice so many sheep, so many oxen, so many goats per day, per year, that they needed to make sure that they had a plentiful supply of sheep, oxen and goats. And this was the responsibility of the shepherds. The shepherds were the ones who actually kept the economy going. But it was interesting that the angel came to the shepherds because they were in this unrelenting task of continually producing sheep, having to go through those sheep, looking for the sheep that would qualify for the high priest to sacrifice. It had to be sheep that was a male sheep, had to be one year old without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. And so this was quite a tedious task. This was quite a wearisome task. And this was a seemingly unending task. When all of a sudden the angels came and said, hey, get ready, get ready, get ready. All the pressure, all the stress, everything is about to be over because all the heavy lifting from man is about to be done by God Himself. You know, this speaks about a transition from works towards salvation into salvation that Jesus did. When Jesus hung on the cross, He was the one who said, it is finished and then hung His head. Up until that time, you and I had to earn our way into heaven. Do you know almost every cult has one common denominator. Every cult says it's Jesus dying on the cross plus you door knocking, you going on missions trips, you doing good works, you behaving, you being holy, you abstaining from, you keeping the commandments, you, it's you and, it's you and, it's you and, and, and that's not actually the gospel. The gospel is that we were wore out trying to attain the perfection of God that God requires for us to have not just fellowship with Him, but entrance into heaven, but we couldn't do it. So God sent His only begotten Son into the world to be the Lamb that would be sacrificed. And this Lamb would be unlike every other Lamb. Every other Lamb couldn't take the, the punishment or the wrath of human sin. Because when Adam and Eve sinned and when Cain killed Abel, because of the sin of man, an animal's blood was sufficient to pro provide temporary atonement before God. 
the blood of the lamb, said to God, an innocent being just shed its blood, forgive that sin, and it was temporary. That's why they had to do it several times a year. And then every year on the Passover, they had to do it over and over and over and over. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Christ was offered up once and for all. And that's good news. So here, the shepherds find that Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lamb of God, the Messiah was born. And they go and they see this little baby, this perfect, beautiful little baby, this innocent little baby. I wonder how many of them suspected or how many of them knew that He would one day die on a cross, would be crucified, slaughtered on a cross, sacrificed on a cross to take away all of our sins so that we no longer need to sacrifice sheep and ox and goats and all of those things to atone for our misgivings, our misdoings and our, our uh, transgressions. The second thing I want you to notice here is the Bible says that the angels, when they announced it, said, and they praised God saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to man. The reason I'm highlighting that is because when you read the scripture, you will find that the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the angels give praise to God. But nowhere do you ever find that it says the angels were singing. I know we have this kind of <clears throat> theory that is espoused that the angels are singing. As you begin to read your Bible, you'll find that there's not one verse that says the angels sing. Singing is the domain of you and I. Singing is the domain of men. And the angels look and they see us singing. The Bible says we alone sing the song of salvation. We alone carry the song of the Lamb. And the angels look down. They don't have the song of the Lamb. They don't have the song of salvation. They give praise to God. They say, holy, holy, holy. But you and I, worship was given to us. Singing and song was given to us. One of the things I love most about Christmas is when you walk through the malls and when you're in the, you know, the shopping centers and even in your car, all the news stations that are on, Sirius XM puts a whole bunch of holiday and every, everyone just seems to be in a better spirit. There's Christmas carols singing and worship songs playing and there's something about peace that is tied to worship. There's something about heaven that fills worship. Can I just tell you, you and I as human beings were given an unbelievable privilege, an unbelievable posture and position before the throne of God that we can actually worship God with song. I honestly believe that every song was meant to be written to glorify God. But man in his rebellion sings about himself or sings about what he can get or sings about, you know, all kinds of other stuff. But you and I were meant to sing glory to God. This Christmas, in, indulge and engage in the Christmas carols. Play them in your car, play them in your home, and you'll find the peace that surpasses all understanding will begin to flood your world and begin to flood your life. The last thought that I want to bring to you is the Bible says that when Mary and Joseph came to the inn to be registered, there was no room. There was no room. They didn't have, uh, you know, booking.com or tripadvisor.com in those days. And so when they got there, they were just hoping to be able to get in and and every door was shut. And I can just imagine the innkeeper looking at this young man with a very, very pregnant wife and thinking, man, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 she looks like she's about to. And I don't know if I want to be changing the sheets and everything's full and everything's crazy. And he slams the door 
and their face. They go out into the barn and she brings forth her baby, Jesus, in a barn and she lays him in a feeding trough. I can imagine Joseph, you know, hurriedly trying to get rid of all the straw and cleaning it maybe with his own garments to get rid of the, the saliva from the animals because a manger is a feeding trough. And then Mary wraps him in swaddling cloths. Man, talk about a, a unsterile swaddling cloths, uh, the, the cloths that they use to mop up the milk after milking the cows. And here they wrap baby Jesus. They wrap the Son of God. And it's such a picture that the perfect gift of heaven would be wrapped in defiled garments for a season that the great God of heaven would be clothed in human flesh, knowing that He would literally become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And when she laid Him in that manger, I wonder all that stress, all the travail, all the persecution, all the nasty words and the judgments of people that somehow, you know, she had been misbehaving. The Bible says she was a virgin, but... Everyone's like, yeah, right. Virgins don't get pregnant. Sure, you're a virgin. And all of this. And now all of a sudden, she's fulfilling God's purposes. She's obeying God's decree. She gives birth and there's not even a place for Jesus to be born in the house. There's no room in the inn. Do you know why that is, friend? That's because Jesus wasn't meant to find a place in a palace or in an inn or in a hotel or in a kingship or on a throne, or in a parliament office, or in a White House, the place for Jesus Christ was to be received into the hearts of men. God had always reserved that Jesus would belong in your heart and in my heart. I just want to know, are you like the innkeeper today? Are you somebody like the innkeeper that says, hey, there's no room in my life? Man, you know, letting, letting Jesus come into my world, that's going to be messy. He, he may mess things up. I'm not sure if I want to deal with, with all that mess. How, how do I tell my neighbors? How do I tell my friends? How do I tell my relatives? Man, man I'm not sure what it's going to undertake. Well, what will he do in my home? What will, you know what? It's just better you go somewhere else. Or are you somebody that says, come, Lord Jesus. This is what I discovered. I, I met Christ on a beach. 33 years ago, 33 years ago, January, Jesus came into my heart. The day He came into my heart, did He mess things up? You better believe He messed things up. He messed things up. There's no way around it. He messed things up that needed to be messed up. But He came into my heart and He filled my life with such joy, such peace. I remember I was trying to find peace in a joint. I was trying to find peace in alcohol. I was trying to find peace in using people. I had this hole on the inside of me and I tried everything to fill it. Drugs, booze, sex, people, all kinds of things, but nothing would fill it. What I didn't realize was I had an internal hole that I was trying to fill with temporal fixes and nothing temporal can fill an eternal. But the day that I received Christ, the day that Jesus came into my heart, everything changed. As soon as Jesus came in, this peace flooded my life. In fact, this warmth came into my heart. I remember we were driving home. It was a Christian surfers event and, and I was sitting in the passenger seat in Australia, which is on the left-hand side of the car in America. That's the driver's seat, but in Australia. And I remember just watching the sun set over the mountains. And as the sun was setting, the whole sky just began to glow, this beautiful orange and the clouds had, you know, magenta and pink in it. I had this buzz and this warmth on the inside of me like I was home. Everything I'd been looking for, I'd finally found. Now, did I understand what I'd 
not, not a clue. All I knew was that I was lost. A guy was preaching about Jesus. He said, there are people here, you've tried all these things and, you, and you're still empty. I had no idea in my head, but I knew in my heart that I'd made peace with God. I knew in my heart that Jesus had reconciled me. I knew in my heart that day, it was almost like clouds were taken away and I could see the sun. I could see God clearly for the first time. Man, it was a little while after that that I started reading the Bible and going to church and then everything began to unveil. But in that moment, I knew I was loved. At that moment, I, I felt peace. The peace I was looking for I, that in the world, I could not find. I remember when I was 17, I got a job in Sydney, the biggest city in Australia, six million people. And I thought, ah, oh, now I won't feel so lonely on the inside. And all I knew was I was just somebody in a crowd. I was an isolated person in a crowd of six million people. I didn't feel any less lonely. But that moment that Jesus came into my heart, I felt peace. Mary wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, probably pondering, probably asking God, God, why couldn't you provide a house, a hotel, a palace or somewhere where my child would belong? But Jesus was never meant to belong in any of those places. He was always born, not to fit in with this world, but to fit in with hearts of people that would be born again, that would be going to heaven. I'm not sure where you're at today. I'm not sure where your walk is today. I'm not sure if you're maybe what we call a CEO, a Christmas and Easter only person. But I'm telling you, you're here today to hear this message. This message was designed for you. I want you to know that Jesus comes into our lives. He came into the world to bring peace, goodwill towards men. Every single one of us have a sin issue. Every single one of us struggle to be perfect. Every single one of us falls short. Every single one of us have issues with maybe it's anger or addictions or phobias or fears or anxieties and all kinds of things. All of those are the outworkings of the fact that we don't have that centerpiece of peace. You'll find that when Jesus comes in, the anxieties, the addictions, the fears, the phobias, the anger issues, all of those things begin to dissipate because Christ, almost like when you think of Tony Stark and he's got that, that power generator right, right there in his chair. When he puts that in, dude, it, it powers it. It's the same with when you receive Christ. When Christ comes into your heart, you'll find bitterness and hatred and hostility and animosity towards people that have hurt and abused you and family members. You'll find that there's, a, there's this love generator. There's this power on the inside of you. It's called Christ Jesus. He wasn't meant to fit in an inn. He wasn't meant to fit in a hotel. He wasn't meant to fit in a palace. He was meant to fit into your heart. My question is, will you let him this Christmas come into your heart? You know, we look under trees at Christmas time for gifts. And it's such a powerful picture because the tree that we use is an evergreen tree. It's a tree that, whose leaves don't fall off in the fall and they don't die in the winter, but an evergreen tree. A Christmas tree is green all year because it's a continual life-giving tree. And under that tree, there, there are gifts. That's Jesus, my friend. He hung on a tree. The tree that Jesus hung on had no foliage, had no leaves. But when Jesus hung on that tree, He was the life giver. He is the gift. And I want you to know, friend, this Christmas, God has a gift for you. It's the forgiveness of your sins. It's the cleansing of transgressions. It's the washing away of shame and guilt. It's the breaking of every addiction and every chain. It's the, the relieving 
of the stress and anger and animosity that comes into our lives through betrayal and people hurting us and wounding us and people promising things and then breaking those promises or people making oaths and, and then only to find that they never, never intended on keeping what they promised and we were duped and we were deceived and now we carry this. Friend, life is too short for you to carry that and God is just too good. Friend, Jesus is more than just a religious figure and Christmas is more than just a religious holiday. It is the grand event that split time in half. B.C., A.D., when Jesus came into the world, He came into the world, He split time in half. All time is counted from His birth, from His birth. Why? Because many people claim to be God. Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, but only Jesus Christ proved it by dying on the cross and then rising again on the third day. Oh, how do you know, Pastor? That happened 2,000 years ago. What's your evidence that Jesus rose from the dead? I'm telling you, here's the evidence. When I received Christ into my life, His resurrection power came into my life. I know who I was before Jesus. I know what I was addicted to before Jesus. I knew what I struggled with before Jesus. The day I invited Christ into my heart, a power came on the inside of me that was supernatural, that changed everything. And that power is available to you right here, right now, today. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you do this with me? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads right across this auditorium with nobody looking around? And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive Christ. He wasn't born into this world to fit into a palace, to sit on a throne, an earthly throne, or He was born into this world laid in a manger, a feeding trough, because the place that God had already designated for Him to dwell, for Him to rest, for Him to find His throne is in your heart. And if you're here today and you're saying, hey, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life, I've never invited Him into my heart, then I want you to do that today. Maybe you're here today and maybe you once did that, but you slipped away, you turned away, you ran away, you fell away, and you need to come back. Friend, today is your day. Would you come back? Or maybe you're just here today and you're just far from God and you're unsure of, how, how would I even get to God? I'm not even sure if God is real. And maybe you don't understand everything. Maybe you're like me on the beach. I didn't understand everything. But what I heard resonated with me. What I heard, I thought, man, I got nothing else to live. I've tried everything else. I, I, I may as well, what can it hurt for me to invite Christ in my, into my heart? I got to tell you, 33 years later, I'm so glad I prayed that prayer. I'm so glad that I invited Christ into my heart. I have not one regret. Because 33 years later, my life is filled with a peace, is filled with an assurance, and I have a power on the inside of me that is greater than all my mishaps, all my dysfunctions, and is continually realigning, rerouting, and recorrecting my path so that I walk in paths of blessing and paths of God's goodness. So if you're any one of those categories today, you've never received Christ. You once did, but you slipped away and fell away, ran away, you're away. Or you're here and you're just far from God. You don't understand everything. But you're saying, hey, I've got nothing else to lose. While every head is bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I want you to quickly raise your hand. Just lift it up high. Lift it up high so that we can see it. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. 
And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.